Hello, my name is Scott Garrison. You may remember me as Scott the Barber or just as Ron and Carla's son. I've been involved in our community since opening Scott's Barbershop on the southeast corner of 3rd and Main in 1998. Now I'm back in the same building as Garrison Financial. I started investing in my 20s. I invested through the dot-com crash and the Great Recession. I started caring for other people's money in 2018, and I truly enjoy sitting down with my clients, understanding their wants and needs, as well as what keeps them up at night. Whether my friends just want me to invest a little of their savings or want me to work with their tax and legal professionals to strive towards optimal efficiency, we can do it all. I believe communication is key to helping my clients reach their goals. For if we are faithful over a few things, we shall be given more. Contact me at scott at soonerwealth.com. Securities offered through registered representatives of Cambridge Investment Research, Inc., a broker-dealer member FINRA and SIPC. Advisory services offered through Cambridge Investment Research Advisors, Inc., a registered investment advisor. Garrison Financial and Cambridge are not affiliated. This communication is strictly intended for individuals residing in the states of Colorado, Nevada, Oklahoma, and Texas. No offers may be made or accepted from any resident outside the specific states referenced. Cambridge does not offer tax and legal advice. If you build it, he will. It's the Skinny on Sports Podcast with Aaron Couch. I throw balls far. You want good words? Data language. Talk real sports with a real man. Come after me. I'm a man. I'm 40. Now, here's the be-all, end-all, know-it-all of high school, college, and pro sports. Aaron Skinny Calc with The Skinny on Sports. We're talking about practice, man. I'm the MVP. Hello, Jared. Good morning, Aaron. How are you? All of a sudden, I'm a little stopped up. It's like I walked through a, a deal of ragweed on the way, on the way to the wow, studio what's or floating something. floating around? My kids, she's got it too. Just my youngest. What is it? Some kind of allergy. I don't know. I it's went from something. I went from not stuffy to stuffy like instantaneously. You know the way the game went last night, I, it, or not? Let me say this again: the way I progressed through the game last night, I got I, I felt great at the start of the game, and then it just went just I, I and I thought I'm going to go to bed, and I'm going to wake up feeling horrible, I, and so I got home as fast as I could. You probably noticed how quickly I unloaded everything when we got here, and I was—I went straight home, jumped shower, and hit the bed. And I woke up feeling great this morning, thinking I'd be really extra tired because of our late night. Not so much. I feel good. So those allergies haven't hit me yet, but I'm gonna go sit in a deer stand tonight with my oldest, and I'm wondering if uh, that'll do it. Get out in the elements there. Yes, I'm going deer hunting there, and I know what you're thinking. It's not hunting. <laughs> no, at least you're going to shoot it with a bow. Oh no, it's the kid season, isn't it's youth, it? Yeah, it's youth, youth weekend. weekend. Yep. Yeah. So no, no bow. And not really hunting. It is archery though. My dad's been out a few times. Yeah, I know. I know you can shoot it with a bow yep. right now. You know, for the for the real hunters. <laughs> <laughs> is it? Uh, I mean, what's worse, the okay. wall? What's worse, the walleye guys or the deer hunters? The that walleye just guys, feed the deer a thousand the percent. The oh, walleye guys. That is cheating. Yeah, but they what what the deer hunters are doing? But they actually had some skill is, in catching the fish. There is skill. They were out there okay. feeding them. Okay, let's they, get. They let's, didn't. They you want to go, go there? Let's go there. Okay. Right, so it. there is skill to knowing to strategically knowing where you want to put that feeder. Knowing no, where there's they not. Go. I've got a feeder in my backyard. Knowing where they they'll go. come anywhere. You put Literally it on, you in my yard. There's a feeder of corn. You can't put it in a Walmart parking lot. They're not going to come to it. Oh, I think they might. I don't think so. I mean, I do have I a feeder so. in my yard, and and here's the thing: it hasn't had corn in it in like eight months. And <laughs> as soon as we fire corn in there, up oh, here come the deer. <laughs> There's no skill in putting the. Uh, 
I understand what you're saying. There are certain places that seem better, but trust me, deer will come. There's so many of them out there that they'll come anywhere. Yeah. Anywhere. And so, thus the, the reason why we hunt. Because they're so no, damn hungry, they, you got to thin out the herd. But they need to be thinned out. There's no, I mean, they're. Did be, you see the? Got to be able to shoot like eight a piece. Leaving poppies yesterday. Did you see? I almost called because I was ahead of you. Yes. I almost called you. There's a doe right there next to the road, and I'm like, and what do you do? You don't swerve. You're just supposed right. to go right through it. Right. Them. Yep. And I'm like, please, I don't want to deal with this today. Don't jump out in front of me. I mean, I slowed down. I mean, they're moving. They're out there. Yeah, I think they can. They can even sense the the change in temperature and the, oh, and yeah, the, and sure the different uh, conditions. And of course, it was a north wind yesterday, and so there, it was a little bit of change, but nothing like what's going to happen. I'm surprised you're going to be out there Sunday. I don't know. I got two birthday parties I got to attend back to back on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd be maybe make it rough. Sunday seems and over can you overnight Saturday. To like, pull yeah. my kid away from two birthday parties. Well, it depends on how much you fed the deer. (laughs) (laughs) So, anywho. Yeah, it it is cool, though. The positive to this is the fact that they do. uh, I think it's awesome that the Oklahoma Department of Wildlife gets the youngsters into the hunting. You know what I mean? And and gets them out there and gives them a chance to have a weekend. And it's just a cool thing. I'm sure why I don't want to go at some point um, on Sunday after baseball or before baseball or whatever. Um, I think that's already being set up with his grandpa. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's awesome. And and it's cool to see uh, the pictures of the kids shooting the deer. It's a little bit different when it's a 50-year-old man that's been feeding it for six months. But, you know, everybody knows my stance on that one. <laughs> so, good luck. Will it be just Katie? Will James go too? No, nah, James too young. <clears throat> Say, surely we're not going to get her a firearm yet, are we? She wants to. <clears throat> Believe me, I, I think she's going to be a – more of a uh how do i say this oh be careful tomboy yeah that's what i was afraid to just say you know because she just seems more mean <laughs> and and willing to 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 get out there and do that i think she'd love the idea of it this is a great but plan. she's just way too young she's right here too young. sam green has a great plan you should have to kill 10 does before you can get a buck tag now that's what i'm talking about Oh, I mean, we're we'll, we'll, I don't want to say shoot anything. I mean, if the if it's a doe that's borderline a fawn, we're not going to shoot it. But it's it's the experience is the idea, right? And getting that experience of the hunt for her. So, so we're she, not just looking just for a trophy buck. But what if she hops out there and shoots about a twelve point? Her I hun- say, put the gun down. You're done. That's her hunting career ought to be you're over. Never going to shoot anything bigger. <laughs> that's what what a Wyatt's buddy's jet last year. I mean, he killed a monster. Monster deer, yeah, and that uh, when he was he was showing it uh, to pictures off uh, around Thanksgiving or whatever, and that was the, that was the same thing everybody said it was how old are you? Ten. Well, congratulations! It's the biggest buck you're ever going to shoot in your life <laughs> at ten years old. You might as well not even go through the. You might as well, you might as well just stop. But he'll keep going because that's how it's kind of like anything. It's like golf. I guarantee you, he's in a deer stand. As we speak, you can or have has already gotten out of it. Golf, you could have one good round out of fifty, but you're still going back again and again and again, yeah. trying to have that better round. Just like go- hunting, you know, shoot that monster buck when you're ten. Guess what? He's going to go and try to get oh, the yeah. next big one. I or, promise you, he's yeah. out there right now. All right, last night high school football. Most of the games around the state were played 
on Thursday night. It seems like most of the schools have having their fall break this week. So uh, the games ha- <clears throat> happened uh, mostly last night. In 4A1, there's only three games this week. Clinton gets the week off because of the uh, Western Heights thing and them not being in the district. So uh, Elk City and Chickasha met at Big Elk Stadium. It, it was a matchup of the last two remaining unbeaten teams in the uh, district. And it started out like it was going to be a wild and crazy shootout. The Elks move it down the field, uh, score on their opening possession, eight uh, eight plays, 73 yards, capped off uh, by a Tucker Garza four-yard run, 7 nothing. Chickasha came right back on the first play of the next possession. Um, Cade Rayburn found Demarion Harris for 70 yards, and it was 7-7, and the shootout looked like it was on. But at that point, I thought Elk City really started to control the line of scrimmage on both sides of the football. They march it right back down the field, uh, get another touchdown on the ground. I think the see it was Austin Jones uh, from 11 yards out. No, probably wasn't. Was it Levy the second? I can't remember. I just watched the first quarter too. Uh, I think it was Levy. No, the second touchdown was it Austin? No, it was Garza. Oh, Garza from 33. Yeah, oh, here it is. Carry. No, his first carry was four. He scored the first one. I thought it was Levy then who scored the second Levy one. Scored, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, think I, got it was, him, I got him turned around. Yeah, I think it went Tucker, Levy, Austin. Tucker, 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 Tucker. <laughs> it was Tucker's <laughs> night, that's Coop, for sure. Cooper was in there as well. But right. uh, anyhow, uh, oh, I think it was Owens that scored the second touchdown, made it 13-6. to And then uh, that ne- that first, the second possession, I guess it was, for Chickasha is when the Elk City defense really took control. First play, Gage Eastman got in the backfield, knocked it loose from uh, Murphy. Malik <clears throat> tracked it down, but a 10-yard loss on first down and then a sack on third down. And the Elks pushed Chickasha 15 yards back on their second possession. And from there, man, that offensive line, give credit to those dudes. We don't call their name enough uh, during the broadcast, uh, but Carson Price, you had uh, Riley Boyd, Holden Dixon, Aiden Long, Logan Trevino. Those guys just mauled Chickasha's defense uh, throughout the night to the tune of 508 yards rushing. Just an incredible performance on the offensive line by those big Coach guys. Coach Fisher up front. was touting it, and and we've seen it all season long. And I'll say it too: best offensive line easily in the district. I'd love to see how they go up against some of these better teams in the class of four A. And I think they would hold up their own. But easily the best offensive line in this district, easily hands down. I'm, you can argue me all day. I don't care. I'll go with you. It's the best offensive line in the district. Yeah, 54 rushes, 508 yards last night. You mentioned Tucker Garza, the freshman. Uh, under unfortunate circumstances for sure, uh, Cooper Garbarino, uh, the guy that, that had the huge game a week ago down in cash with over 200 yards rushing and a couple of touchdowns, he goes out on the second drive. Uh, still kind of waiting an update there uh, as far as what happened. There's some speculation, but uh, we're, we're not going to go there until you know everybody knows. But uh, he goes out, Garza steps in, and all he does is carry the ball nine times for 225 yards and scored five touchdowns. Just a, an incredible performance. And, you know, in the first half, first quarter, it was kind of a little back and forth with that long play for Chickasha. And then the Elks really controlled the game from the second quarter till about the middle of the third. And he just he hit on a bunch of big plays, man. A 69-yard touchdown, a 65-yard touchdown in the third quarter. Had the big long, he had the long kickoff return where he pushed the pile forward and was helped. You know, was it like eleven yards down the field, reminiscent of the fourth down play <laughs> that sealed the game against Clinton. He was great. 
but it all starts up front and it, and, and then right behind there with how much more comfortable Austin is running the offense. You see those ball fakes. He's so much more smooth about what he's doing uh, out there on the field. And then, of course, Levy Owens, all he did was carry it 22 times for 133 yards. And I think you could see, you, you, you can always see in every single game that the Elks play. By the time it gets into the middle of the third to the fourth quarter, the guys on the other side get pretty tired of tackling that big dude. He is an absolute load to bring down on the first play, much less his 20th carry at the end of the third quarter. And you could just kind of see Chickasha going, man, this is no fun whatsoever trying to tackle that guy. And as they tried to bring more and more and more guys into the box to stop Levy, then that opened it up for the explosive plays on the outside mm-hmm. for both Patton and uh, Tucker Garza. Yeah. The, the Elks offense, I think, and you, you mentioned it last night. I think uh, Coach uh, Coach uh, Maynard mentioned it as well in his postgame comments. We got to see the Elks maybe not at, at full steam, but pretty close for the first time all year offensively, limiting mistakes, limiting some of those penalties, and you can act, you can see what's possible with that offense yeah yeah that's when but the key thing there is limiting the mistakes there are still mistakes mistakes happen i mean we got to remind ourselves these are teenagers playing a game so mistakes are going to happen but when they're limited this is an explosive offense we saw that last night as evidence last night that was i mean again i it was not mistake free what if it was holy moly what an amazing team that they got right there so, again, next week, um, depending on what happens tonight, I mean, who cares? Because when you go to Weatherford, it's a big game, no matter what. I don't care if they're 0-whatever or, or undefeated, fighting for a district title. So, it's always going to be a big game on the road at Weatherford, and um, we get to do it again on another Thursday night. <clears throat> yeah, to your point, um, it, it, the, the games just keep on getting bigger. You know, Weatherford and Cash tonight over in Weatherford. A Weatherford win essentially sets up a district title game next week. Sort of. Depending on how the rest of it goes. Uh, with with, with Chickasha having that one loss last night, Weatherford having a loss to Chickasha, and then if Weatherford were to beat Elk City, then you get into that three-way tie scenario where everybody's beating everybody, and now the district points will start to matter, which at, at this point, the Elks have the most district points and are a game behind Chickasha as far as the district games played, right even with Weatherford before tonight, uh, and even the Eagles, no matter what happens, will still be a point behind Elk City with an extra game played. So the Elks in good shape for the most part, uh, regardless of next week, but you're right. Nobody wants to go there and lose to lose to Weatherford and really start that craziness and the chaos of what a – uh, what, a, what a points race would be within the district. Um, but that, that game tonight's huge. Uh, a cash win, and then the Elks are really sitting pretty for a district title just because uh, the teams with one loss would be two teams that Elk City's beaten. So then th- that really kind of puts a mulligan back in your pocket for for next week and then the two games following. Uh, so a, a big step forward as far as a district title for Elk City last night and that demolition of Chickasha. Just a, a, an incredible performance. I, I know both of us, and we, we weren't just saying this in the pregame, and Daniel is the same way. I think we all three of us thought this was going to be a four-quarter, one-score type of game, a la Clinton, a la 
what we saw with Canadian Texas in that game. And man, that Elk City, Elk City just dominated uh, basically throughout. You take away, you know, the one play on the first play of offense in the first quarter, and that thing is an absolute runaway. And it was in, in the scoreboard, I think, last night, and the stats reflected exactly what happened. And that was Elk City just controlled the game at the line of scrimmage. Uh, we, we talk a bunch about the offense, <clears throat> and as we should, uh, with the way that the Elks performed. But how about this? Defensively, only allowing Chickasha 203 total yards. The all-world, listen, you didn't get to see it a lot last night because of the way the Elks swarmed the football, but number six, Malik Murphy for Chickasha, is one of the better backs in the state, period. Not just in 4A, period. He came into that game averaging just a tick over 225 yards a game through his first six and scored 15 touchdowns in the first six. The Elks limited him to eight carries, 31 yards. It took him a 25-yard carry on his seventh um, time seventh time to run the football to get out of negative yardage. That's how dominant the Elks were defensively. When we were looking at the first-half stats, and you gave me the stat sheet, and, of course, I saw our side, and then I looked at the other side of the ledger of, of Chickasha, I thought, oh, he clearly just stopped keeping stats for Chickasha. <laughs> yeah, I know. And I, I looked at it, I think I said, is this right? <laughs> <laughs> it was right. He had negative eleven yards in that first half. Yeah, and and you're right. The plays, the plays run were so skewed to the outside, especially in the first half, because Chickasha scored that seventy yard touchdown on one play. And you know the Elks had an eight play drive to start, and then I think what they scored with what forty something seconds left in the first quarter uh, to make it thirteen six. So they had they had literally had the ball for 11 minutes yeah. of the 11 minutes and 20 seconds off the clock. <laughs> and so and and that that trend kind of continued in the first half especially. There was that point when Murphy caught the touchdown to make it 38-14 and then Chickasha got uh, recovered a fumble by the Elks and then moved it into Elk City territory and you thought, "Oh, this is about to become a football game." Mm-hmm. But Elk City got that fourth down stop and then literally the next play Garza was in the end zone from 69, and it was like, okay, uh, the, the doors are shut, and this, this game is over. Uh, just a, It was a great performance, uh, but as as we talked about on the broadcast, you're 1-0 this week. Now that that's it's over. It's time to go 1-0 next week uh, with the Weatherford Eagles over there at Woody Roof Field. So that, that was the 4A uh, game, as we mentioned, Weatherford, and, and uh, cashed it <clears throat> tonight over at Weatherford. The battle for Beckham County, the trophy would be an oil derrick this year. As the Merritt Oilers defeat the Sarah Eagles 48-28, to the Merritt earns their first district win over Sayre. Moves then to, what, 2-5 uh, and five overall, 1-3 in the district. Sayre falls to 1-6. Uh, they're 0-4 in District A1. Also, Burns Flat Dill City remained undefeated with the 38-20 to win over at Thomas. So, Coach Archer and the Eagles roll into a 7-0 record. 4-0 in the district. They host Hooker next week. And then what looks to be the district title matchup at Burns Flat in two weeks between the Eagles and the Yellow Jackets. So uh, a great first year for Coach Brian Archer. We're hearing maybe some bad news uh, on the injury front for Burns Flat as well. Uh, so that, that kind of puts a little bit of a damper on what has been an incredible season again for the Burns Flat Deal City Eagles. Well, next man up, if that's the case. Well, you know, We saw that last night with – with Garza coming in for for Garbarino, so uh, yeah, congratulations on uh, the win for Burns Flat and for Merritt. Those are big wins. 
Those are big wins. Anything around the state uh, catch your eye yeah, last night? Uh, Broken Bow beating Poto. I was had my eye on that all night. Why? Why would I care about a game in McCurtain County? Because Poto, in a lot of polls, majority of them, the one I look at, the AP poll at number two, Elk City number three, with Broken Bow winning, that opens the door for Elk City to climb one more notch up in the rankings to be possibly number two uh, come Monday or Tuesday morning. Uh, in that AP poll, anyways, um, I think last night win, last night's win, because it wasn't close. It was a it was a dominating win by the Big Elks. I think it all but solidifies it. I think that impress is going to impress enough people to go, okay, these Elk City Elks are for real. Last year wasn't just a one time thing for these guys. They they appear, no disrespect to last year's team, but they appear, dare I say, better. I don't know. I was asking you last night. We we're breaking down. It's like, what are we witnessing here? Is it one of those special seasons that that come along every once in a while, or, or is it the product of the of the uh, teams that we're playing against? Uh, I mean, I'm ready to start the playoffs now, so I can get those questions answered. All but right. we got to get there. But that was a game I was watching, uh, keeping an eye on. Broken Bow again got the win, 28-14. Upsets number two, Poto. So next week it should be, and the majority of the polls, at least in mine, will be Cushing one, Elk City two. And you talk about how this team has has. I mean, the, every you could start checking off a lot of things about this team. Uh, the well, what were their expectations going into the year after the after a big turnover of players? You know, what first year head coach? You know, and then a lot of those answers uh, or those questions started to get answered. Then how would this team win? Well, they've won in different ways. They've won with defense. They've won with dominating offense. Uh, ball control, and and how would they look in this district? Where would they line up in this district? So a lot of people picked them third. Some had them second. And here they are leading the district with the chance to to do something special here. It's just turning into one of those really special seasons. And, I, and I, I, again, I mean, even sleeping on it, I'm thinking, I'm asking you again, what are we witnessing? Well, I think we're witnessing, witnessing something very special for this Elk City program. And, and we're not done after this year. That's the fun thing. We just saw a lot of youth last night. And this is this is a very fun time to be a Big Elk fan. No doubt about it. And I just had the question uh, posed to me uh, on a text. Would this be the first time that Elk City has po- hosted a playoff game since the state championship year? And I'm almost positive the answer to that question is yes. Almost positive. I went back to the 2004 season. That's where I was going. And they finished third in the district. Okay. I, according to I was at the game, I, I went through. You could see Clinton won the district. I believe Piedmont was second that year in the district. So the Elks went on the road a la last year, winning two road games and then playing Clinton at, at Norman that year in the semifinals. Uh, the, year, the, the next year was 2006 uh, that they made the playoffs and got a win. That was at Manford. So that's not it. And then, of course, in, in 2017, uh, with Bryce and those guys, they finished third or fourth and were at Blanchard to start the playoff run. And, then, of course, uh, the, the COVID year, which doesn't really count, but whatever. It was a road game. And then, of course, last year was two road games. So in, in, my, in, my, in my mind and everything that I can look at and find, the answer to that question is yes. The first this, – this could be, and really at this point should be, with the two wins that Elk City has earned in the last two weeks over Chickasha and Cash, 
even if things don't go well at Weatherford next week, you finish off with two wins, you're guaranteed second, right? Because you own the tiebreaker over everybody behind you mm-hmm. with Chickasha, with Cash, with one loss. You know, the, in, depending on what happens tonight, you know, you could own the, the tiebreaker over Cash head to head and Chickasha head to head if Cash were to beat Weatherford. So uh, it looks like, unless something drastically changes, that this will be the first time uh, since 1998 that the Elk City Elks host a playoff game. And, of course, that would also mean if they can take care of business these next three weeks, also the first time since 1998 that the Elk City Elks would win a district title. So looking ahead, um, which we all love to do, if the playoffs ended today, what would that look like? It it would be probably Newcastle because they are fourth in 4A2. Yeah, right now. That's and exactly what it would be. I'm okay with that because – they were in the district last year. There's a lot of familiarity with them. So they're, so just looking ahead then, if they were to get past that one, who would they host, hopefully as a district champion, host in the second game? Remember that Broken Bow team I talked about? There's a possibility there. I'd have to look at all the scenarios. They surely wouldn't play a district champ in round two, right? If Broken Bow, I don't think Broken Bow would finish district champ. Who's going to beat them? I think, I don't know. Hildell or Ada? Yeah, maybe Ada. <clears throat> yeah, let's say never bury Ada. Yeah, it seems like it seems like Broken Bow has come to Clinton a bunch. Yeah, so you know, as, as another the, twenty miles. Yeah, yeah. As, I, but you know, but from that, you know, when Clinton's right. won the district, I think they did last year, if I remember right. Uh, Bristow did. Bristow it was did. Okay, Harrow than Bristow. That's right, and and they made Bristow. I think may have beaten Broken Bow to get there. Yeah, they there. upset Broken Bow. I think yeah, that's at right. Broken Bow. Yeah, because right. it seems like the Savages has come this way mm-hmm. a bunch of different times as the second place finisher in that district so it'll be real nice to have a team drive four plus hours here and not have <laughs> yeah. to go there yeah i mean <laughs> any of the choices broken bow hilldale ada poto it's a long drive for any of them right uh, you know so sets up nicely it does and, and after last night you start to really kind of get excited about the possibilities because you know even as coach maynard said after the game that was as close to perfect as as the elks have played so far this year but still quite a long ways away from what you would call a perfect performance. So still building, still trying to peak uh, at the right time. And, you know, the, it was it was dominant in a way that I just – I think that's why it's still kind of bewildered a little bit because I just – I thought the Elks had a great chance to win that game, mm-hmm. but I never thought it was going to be like that. Oh. And that, the, the dominance that they, that, they, that they showed on the offensive and defensive lines – and, and that travels, you know, that that travels. And, and I think a, a, a point that to be made to prove that is when you look at the stats game by game, Levy's constant, but it could be Cooper Patton. It could be Garbarino. It could be Garza last night. There's a bunch of different guys that are able to make big plays and have big nights. And that couldn't happen without, A, the offensive line. And then another another thing that's underrated is on those long runs, the other guys out, out in front have to be blocking. Caden Holder threw two hellacious blocks on those two long Tucker Garza runs to spring him. Yeah, they were 20 to 25-yard gains. He throws those two blocks, and they turn into 60-yard touchdowns. You know, just, just everybody up and down the lineup well, played a great game. That's a night. sign, and I'll finish with this, you're going to see – We've seen it, you see it everywhere, where a team is really good because of a player and that they can do special things. 
But last night what we saw I think is a great sign of a great program where, okay, next guy up, run the run the system like we've taught you, and it's going to be successful. And that goes from conditioning, which we've seen with the offensive and defensive lines, and then just schematically, knowing where you're supposed to be, no matter who you are or what role you are. That, that starts with great coaching and a great program. So, again, fun time to be a Big Elk fan. Yeah, and as Edgar just texted me, one thing that, that to always remind uh, about this Elks team that's similar uh, in certain ways uh, back to way back when is defense. That Elk City Elks defense in 1998 was stifling. Mm-hmm. Only six, only average giving up six a game. Uh, this defense, even in the times, and we've seen this during games already, even in the times where the where the offense is struggling, turning the ball over, yeah. whatever, yeah. that Elk City defense is good enough this year to keep them in just about any game. As yeah. for for and give the offense a chance to work through the kinks. That's what I like about this around. team is we've seen them win in every way possible so far. Defensively, and we can score a lot of points. If it's not there one night, then the defense can step up. That's exactly right. That's what's been happening so far. Big win for the Oaks last night. 51-14 over the Chickasha Fighting Chicks. Weatherford next Thursday and what will be another big one. We'll be back with some college football next on the Garrison Financial Friday. Hello, my name is Scott Garrison. You may remember me as Scott the Barber or just as Ron and Carla's son. I've been involved in our community since opening Scott's Barbershop on the southeast corner of 3rd and Main in 1998. Now I'm back in the same building as Garrison Financial. I started investing in my 20s. I invested through the dot-com crash and the Great Recession. I started caring for other people's money in 2018, and I truly enjoy sitting down with my clients, understanding their wants and needs, as well as what keeps them up at night. Whether my friends just want me to invest a little of their savings or want me to work with their tax and legal professionals to strive towards optimal efficiency, we can do it all. I believe communication is key to helping my clients reach their goals. For if we are faithful over a few things, we shall be given more. Contact me at scott at soonerwealth.com. Securities offered through registered representatives of Cambridge Investment Research, Inc., a broker-dealer member FINRA and SIPC. Advisory services offered through Cambridge Investment Research Advisors, Inc., a registered investment advisor. Garrison Financial and Cambridge are not affiliated. This communication is strictly intended for individuals residing in the states of Colorado, Nevada, Oklahoma, and Texas. No offers may be made or accepted from any resident outside the specific states referenced. Cambridge does not offer tax and legal advice. The Skinny on Sports. Now we're back! Welcome back. Skinny on Sports 98.1 FM. The Sports Animal. It's a Garrison Financial Friday. Scott Garrison at Garrison Financial. 124 North Main Street right here in Elk City. Scott is a full financial planner. He can shop the open market to bring the best value on your life insurance and investments. If you're one of those people that like to kind of manage your own stuff but not sure how to get going, uh, call him. He can either manage your investments or if you want to do it but don't know how to start, he can charge you hourly to build you a plan that then you can in turn manage on your own if that's your type of thing. Uh, he does great work. He's going to help us, I don't know, uh, with some stuff uh, here shortly at the golf course. So, um, good dude as well. He's kind of, I always kind of hate when he's not here. He brings a different, uh, yeah, a different like, vibe to the show. I like when the he insight that he brings, yeah. He's not as funny as he thinks he is, but he's pretty funny. You said it. We'll see if he's listening. You said <laughs> That's the goal with this, to see if he's listening. Uh, give, him a, give him an email. Shoot him an email, scott at soonerwealth.com. That's scott at soonerwealth.com, Garrison Financial. It is a Garrison Financial Friday 
uh, with Scott Garrison here today. All right, Jared, um, one of the bigger college football weekends that I can remember as far as top 15 undefeated matchups. I've quoted the the Bear numerous times this week, Chris Felica on ESPN there, uh, that this is the first time, only the second time total, first time since 1993, that you get three teams or three matchups of undefeated at least 5-0 and teams on the same Saturday. Oklahoma State, TCU, Bama, Tennessee, and also Penn State <clears throat> at Michigan. So you've got Bama on the road, Oklahoma State on the road, and Penn State on the road in those matchups tomorrow. Let me ask you this question. Which road team do you give the best chance to win? Alabama. Yeah, I'll go with Alabama just because of the history of that uh the the history of that game. Do you remember a guy two. named Eric Ainge? Yes. <clears throat> Do you know he's the last quarterback from Tennessee to beat Alabama? I I figured that's where that was going. <laughs> that, I remember Eric. That's Ainge. been a that's been a ways back. I remember that guy. Yeah. Do, does it concern bit. Yeah. Does it concern you that Bryce Young's status is still just a little bit up in the air? Uh, a little bit, a little bit. I, I wonder how much, I mean, they were able to sneak out with a win against A&M, a, a very lackluster A&M without them. Right. So I, it concerns me a little bit because Tennessee, I think is way better than A&M. And this is a, especially offensively, yeah. they were able to get away with only scoring 24 against A&M because A&M's offense is anemic. I don't know if they're going to be be able to get away with only scoring twenty four tomorrow. Oh, I agree. I agree. I think Tennessee is more capable of scoring more than that. Sure. So they might have to lean more on their defense, Alabama. That is. But if um, yeah, if if the quarterback can't go, we're going to get a really close game. I I I would take uh, Tennessee in the points. Giving up? Well, Tennessee seven seven and a half. Six yeah. and a half. Six and a half. Tennessee's uh, lost 15 straight to Alabama. Yeah, that's why I think Alabama has the best chance. Out of those games that you mentioned, the best road chance for a road team to get a win. No offense, OSU. It's Alabama. I think I think that's the right answer if Young plays. Yeah. If it's if it's Jalen Milrow, then give me Oklahoma State as the best chance to win on the road. Because what I saw out of out of Milrow against A and M the other night, not convinced, man. He can run, he can't throw, he ain't there yet. So, at that point, if it's not Young, then I, then I think you got to look at Oklahoma State. This game feels like it's going to harken back to the glory days of the shootout era of Big Twelve football, circa 2011-2012 where every big game was 40-something to 40-something or 50-something to 50-something. TCU with the third-highest scoring offense of 46 a game, I believe, over 500 yards a game. Oklahoma State in their their conference games giving up 28 and 500 yards. I just don't see how the winner of this game isn't high 30s or higher. Yeah. Wait, what's the over under? Sixty seven and a half. Yeah, I that makes. I'd take. I'd, I'd take the over. <laughs> Boy, me too. <laughs> me too, and feel pretty good about it. But and maybe also, at halftime. I also say that because I could see one team over the other, 
mainly the one in orange, just having a day and scoring in the 40s. You see what I'm saying? Oh, How I- many times have we seen that in a game like this where all of a sudden it's a blowout? Yeah, 47-28 or something, something like that. that yeah. yeah, 48-27. Yeah, which I'm kind of leaning towards. Boy, not me. I think this is going to be – Gonna be close? I think this is going to be close. I think it's going to be a shootout. I think it's going to be so much fun. I think the difference so, – so, like, if you watch Penn State and Michigan first, which is the 11 o'clock game, uh-huh. and you follow that with OSU and TCU, I don't believe you, your mind will allow you to think they're playing the same game. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? You're going to get a heavy dose of one thing in one game and another yes. in the other. Yes. Like, yeah. wait a minute. Are, are these two te- are the are these two games the same sport? Are they allowed to play by the same rules? Yeah. What is going on here? Um, how much of a chance do you get Penn State? Penn State, the, I, out of all the undefeateds on the road against another undefeated, they are the the my least favorite to win. Does that make sense? I don't give them much of a chance if I'm comparing it to the other ones. Right. I think the big house in Michigan. I th- I, I've been high on Michigan. I think Michigan's I've pretty been, good. I've been high on them. Now, but, this is Michigan's first really big test, oh, yeah. so that's that's. I'm anxious to see how they how they perform. But I think they're going to be fine. I think it's like a 14-7 first quarter, and then Michigan will pull away. Down in Fort Worth, what are a couple? Th- I, I think this is going to be by far the biggest challenge for this Oklahoma State defense so far this year, especially. Uh, the perceived and, and the obvious weakest link on the defense, which is the back end. Um, Kendall Daniels will miss the first half because of uh, a targeting from last week, so he won't be out there. Corey Black, uh, I was listening on the way in, sounds like he's going to play, but may you know got a little bit of a hamstring tweak last week that caused him to go out of the game, back in, and then back out. Um, so that's a little bit of a concern uh, with you know a third string redshirt freshman taking over toward the end of that game last night or last week against Tech and Cam Smith did an admirable job for sure but this is a totally different animal with the with the weapons that TCU has it, it Sonny Dykes do we need to start giving him a little bit more credit as an offensive mind think about what he's done here turning a turning Tanner Mordecai into one of the better quarterbacks around then now taking over Max Duggan huh Max Duggan hasn't looked like this guy in his career he's shown flashes with his legs maybe a game or two here but nothing like the Max Duggan we're seeing right now at the helm of this explosive TCU offense and here's the crazy thing he didn't even start the year as the starter he was beaten out by Chandler Morris right I um do we give any credit to Garrett Riley got to don't you at some extent, the offense coordinator, quarterback coach, you got to give yep. him some credit. I think it's a it's a really nice uh, partnership with him and Dykes uh, for the offensive. Uh, they're obviously on the same page with how they run that offense. That's not a tough ask for the defense for OSU. On the other side, Just though, slow them down. Just yeah. slow them down because OSU's offense is good enough to outscore them if you can slow them down. That's right, and and I think that. Uh, that's the the beauty of this entire game is there's another guy wearing number three in orange and black that has a chance to maybe not right all the wrongs or the perceived wrongs in his career looking back, 
but darn sure has a chance to stamp him at the you know in the top three of all time quarterbacks at OSU alongside Whedon and his head coach and Spencer Sanders in some performances starting tomorrow <clears throat> and and not only at the school but then also because this is going to be maybe the first time since the Big 12 title game that the national spotlight and the national eyes will be upon Fort Worth and be upon Spencer Sanders. This is also a chance for him to start working his way up, not only the Heisman talk, but just for people to realize how good a player he is. This is one of those games that the that the good ones and the great ones perform like you would expect them to perform. And so I think Sanders, this is a huge game in his career, one of the biggest ever in his career in my mind because of what's in front of him. Yes, the Notre Dame win was awesome. Yes, the Bay- the Bedlam win a year ago where he wasn't great until he you know kind of had to be. But this one right here is a different animal because of what is possible out in front of Spencer Sanders and the rest of the season for OSU. Yeah, and I'll say this because I'm sure there are a lot of OSU fans or college football fans in general who are wondering why isn't he getting enough attention? We, we've talked about Heisman attention at this point of the year and there's really no one's getting any kind of attention. Um, why isn't he? On an undefeated team, top 10 team, favorites to win the conference, in my mind I is, or they are, be patient. Because if he can go out and, and consistently <clears throat> perform and slowly rise in the rankings, the team that is, remember what I said about the best player on the best team mentality. If Just be patient. If he just takes care of the football, which he has tremendously this year, that'll all come, I think. Yeah, Don't you? Yeah, I mean, because, because this is a big game, sure. Well, then, I mean, kind of like Elk City. Last night was a big game. Now next week is a big game. This is a big game for Sanders. Go win it. And then the next game is going to be a big game. When was it, Texas next? Next week, yeah. Yeah. So, and then they get bigger. And then, then you got oh, Kansas oh, and Kansas, Kansas State and then Kansas Bedlam State, at the then end. Bedlam yeah. and, and then, who knows, Big 12 title game. So, just each game will get bigger and bigger. And then that, that stage, that spotlight will get bigger bigger and bigger for Sanders. So I think his his accolades will come. And and I in the I think you're right in this the defense isn't as good as it was last year. Now the defensive line is going to be a key tomorrow if they can harass Duggan if they can not only harass him but also help stop the run with limited resources out of the back end to do it. Try to make TCU as one-dimensional as possible. That helps, but at the same time I don't think their defense is on the same level as it was last year. So they're going to have to win these games with great performances by Spencer Sanders. Not otherworldly performances, just great ones. Mm-hmm. And to this, po- to this point, 12 touchdowns, two picks, he's done a great job of taking care of the football. He's got to continue that. Because uh, as much as the defense is better than we thought, at the end of the day, I still do think it's what we thought preseason. Oklahoma State's season and, the, and to what level of success it achieves – is on the shoulders of Spencer Sanders ultimately, which has been the case ever since he stepped on campus. Really, except for last year, they could take yeah, some that of that defense, off of him last yeah, year because yeah. that defense was so good. I don't think it's that good this year. It's good, but I don't think it's that level. So he's going to have to do some things that he wasn't asked or, or didn't have to do a year ago to win these bigger games. Outside of those big three, uh, I, I love the USC at Utah. 
This is a circle the wagons game for the Utah Utes if there ever was one coming off that loss against UCLA. Playoff hopes are dashed. Big uh, Pac-12 hopes will be dashed with the loss in Bryce Eccles Stadium coming up tomorrow night. And then on the other side, USC. I think the fans will paint their chest again. Have you seen that? Yes, I have. Okay, just curious. I hope so. <laughs> I don't. I've seen the pictures. I... Oh, I thought you were maybe I'm talking about something different. No, I no. I think we're talking about the same thing. Anyways, okay. go on. <laughs> maybe be more selective on who gets to paint the chest. Is that what we're trying to say here? <laughs> uh, but, but anyhow, USC started out, I think, rolling. Uh, they've kind of come a little bit more down to earth especially offensively the last couple of weeks facing a little bit tougher competition this will be the best defense uh, that Caleb Williams led USC offense has seen all year in that stadium if USC is able to win this game in this spot then I'm gonna have to admit that they are a true contender to be in the college football playoff I don't believe that as of yet but you go into Utah, you go into Salt Lake and win this game against the Utes when Kyle Whittingham has every advantage mentally to get his team up and ready for this game, then you got to tip your cap and say the Lincoln Riley squad is an absolute contender to be in that playoff. Well, they've been in my top ten consistently this year, and, and this would solidify that. I'd agree. I'd agree that they'd be it's, – it's so hard for me to put them in – the top four, I mean, that's when the debates are going to start, right? I mean, what if Clemson's undefeated you know, I mean, for that final fourth spot? And we, there's going to be a lot of debate there of does USC deserve it because is the Pac-12 still perceived as a weak conference? Well, shoot, so is the ACC. I mean, there's going to be a lot of debate going into that uh, if USC is able to win this game and, and win moving forward. Finally. But, yeah, I agree. Finally. Ken, you right the ship. Statistically, no. Kansas can really run the football, and we all know how OU defends the run. Hard for me to go there. Really is. I didn't see any fairy dust shipped into Norman and sprinkled on that rushing defense or defense as a whole. I just don't see it. I think we still see a lot of the same because it's building a culture mentality with Venables. This is kind of the stuff I was hearing during the pressers this week. And he's kind of – he talked about – he wasn't calling out players. He was calling out fans. You, got, you want to – you're with us or against us kind of attitude. But, um, no, Kansas, I think they, they bounce back. I don't know how OU's a nine-point favorite. But they rushed the ball too well. And I, if the OU continues to throw out three-man fronts, it's just not going to be a good day. It's not going to be a good day. It's, I just don't see it. The line is nine. Oklahoma's favored by it's nine. Easy money, man. See, you know, all a lot of the a lot of the computer stuff likes OU. SP, I'd like to ask the computers why. SP plus likes OU by nine and a half, nine point five. I think the the loss of Daniels or the possibility of the loss of Daniels at the quarterback spot. Yeah, he tweeted like that's news part to him. of that. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. I, I don't know. Is that a smoke or is it? It's a, a lot like smoke. last week to me. It, it, I don't think he's playing, but there's going to be a lot of build up, just like with Gabriel Will down in the Congo. Yeah, yeah, you'll I, see him warming up, then come out in shorts. Yeah, yeah I, I, I think you're seeing Bean, but Bean had a great game against OU a year ago and almost orchestrating a huge upset win over the Sooners. There's just as much as it doesn't seem like it. It's Kansas 
in Oklahoma, right? I mean, it's hard for my mind to wrap around the fact that Kansas is better than Oklahoma. Sure look like it. But I do know this. Except for maybe last week. But there was even still some people thought Oklahoma could keep it close just because of it was that game, right? And crazy things happened in the Cotton Bowl. There's people like, oh, yeah, it'll be, it could be a close game down on the wire, da, da, da. This week, there's nobody picking Oklahoma to cover the spread, and most are going to pick them to lose. Usually when that's the case, everyone can't be right. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So there, I don't know how. Probably getting Gabriel back, will de- well, that'll definitely help. But I, I do think that Oklahoma, they're, they're not going to lose nine straight and finish the season three and nine. They're just not going to. And this is probably as good a chance as any for that not to happen. So I, I do think Oklahoma finds some way to win. Maybe the power of the alternate jerseys, Jared. Well, they win, they'll keep the jersey. If they lose, you're going to hear the, the olds yell, burn them! Yeah. Throw them in a pile and line them oh, up. Oh, I got fire. news for you. At the very, let's say Kansas takes the opening kickoff and scores a touchdown. Everyone will get text messages going, see, told you alternate uniforms suck. Yeah, that's, that's why. <laughs> we'll be back. Hello, my name is Scott Garrison. You may remember me as Scott the Barber or just as Ron and Carla's son. I've been involved in our community since opening Scott's Barbershop on the southeast corner of 3rd and Main in 1998. Now I'm back in the same building as Garrison Financial. I started investing in my 20s. I invested through the dot-com crash and the Great Recession. I started caring for other people's money in 2018, and I truly enjoy sitting down with my clients, understanding their wants and needs, as well as what keeps them up at night. Whether my friends just want me to invest a little of their savings or want me to work with their tax and legal professionals to strive towards optimal efficiency, we can do it all. I believe communication is key to helping my clients reach their goals. For if we are faithful over a few things, we shall be given more. Contact me at scott at soonerwealth.com. Securities offered through registered representatives of Cambridge Investment Research, Inc., a broker-dealer member FINRA and SIPC. Advisory services offered through Cambridge Investment Research Advisors, Inc., a registered investment advisor. Garrison Financial and Cambridge are not affiliated. This communication is strictly intended for individuals residing in the states of Colorado, Nevada, Oklahoma, and Texas. No offers may be made or accepted from any resident outside the specific states referenced. Cambridge does not offer tax and legal advice. The Skinny on Sports. Welcome back, Skinny on Sports, 98.1 FM, the Sports Animal, wrapping it up on a Garrison Financial Friday. Scott Garrison down at 124 North Main Street in Elk City. Full financial planning, shop in the open market bringing you the best value on your life insurance and your investments. He can manage your stuff. He can help you set up a plan for you to manage your stuff. Uh, he can also, uh, he loves to work with your with your accountant to make sure everything's streamlined tax-wise, that everything's working your way. That's Scott at SoonerWealth.com, Garrison Financial. Scott Garrison on a Garrison Financial Friday. Okay, Jared, you want to wrap up with some NFL talk? Or do you want to figure out what's happening in the seedy world of walleye fishing? Oh, we got to go to the fishing. Okay. We can wrap up NFL talk on Monday. Last night's game was nothing to talk about. Let's talk about the fishing. Okay, so we, we talked about the fishing, the, the cheating scandal a week ago Thursday when okay. we were down at Poppy's Pit and Grill. And these guys got caught stuffing walleye after they'd caught them in the, in the, in the tournament with weights and with fillets of other fish and wrapping the weights up and all that kind of stuff. Fast forward a week, and the update to this scandal is this. Those two guys 
were arrested and indicted on three felony charges. Felony charges? Felonies. Cheating, attempted grand theft, which is obviously the prize money, I assume, and then also a felony of possessing criminal tools, which I would assume would be the fillets and the weights that they stuffed into their bellies. Right. Also indicted on misdemeanor misdemeanor charge of unlawfully owning wild animals. Not sure. Huh. Feels like a tack on. Just throw the kitchen sink at him. Throw him there, see what sticks. But yeah. three felonies. And also, it's been found out that one of these guys had been investigated for a similar problem all the way back last April. But there wasn't enough evidence to prove beyond the shadow, beyond any reasonable doubt, that it happened. So they were able, one of the guys was able to wiggle off the hook on that one. <laughs> but I mean, in your wildest imagination, when I was telling you the story a week ago on Thursday, would you imagine that these guys would be charged with three felonies? Maybe they're trying to set a precedent here. Like you think you can do this, this is what you can get get charged with. Felonies. Yeah. Felonies. Man. Federal prison. Wonder if we go federal is, nah, is Lake Erie federal land? Good question. I I'm no legal expert, but I've followed enough cases to know I'm gonna guess plea deal, probation, out of jail. I hope not. I hope because we, it's a non-violent crime. Uh, and you know what? Ask the walleye how <laughs> non-violent it was. <laughs> stuffing that stuff down its throat <laughs> or through its gills. <laughs> we'll go ahead and say the walleye. I don't think it was non-violent. <laughs> that one. That one gave his life for the non-violent crime when they split his belly open <laughs> to find the weights. Should there be an investig like a uh, Uh-oh. a Dad committee a committee to investigate this. <laughs> now, you know what's going to be great is if it comes out that the uh the guy that that ca- caught him cheating, he had a he had his film crew, a professional film crew following the day before. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know it's great. Oh, I know man. you're referring to the uh, January 6th stuff. Sure. You you know what I read this morning? What's that? Uh, there is no possible way this is true. Because of the way she acts. But I read this morning that Nancy Pelosi doesn't drink. There's no way that's true, right? She's on something. <laughs> she's not drinking. What is she? She's on something. I don't know. That's what, I mean, that droopy eye is a dead giveaway. <laughs> Just, I mean, I thought she was drunk more of the time than she's not, <laughs> to be honest with you. But I read that this morning that she does not drink. I just there There is no way that's true. No. No chance. Come on. Come on. Yeah, I don't think so. Lifetime ban. I, I think that's the worst, the least of these guys' worries is uh, being able to fish again. Let's see, NFL, right quick, as we wrap up, the two big games this week, undoubtedly uh, the 3.30 game on Sunday, Buffalo at Kansas City could be a, a sneak peek at the AFC title game, and then that rolls into Sunday night football with the Dallas Cowboys at the Philadelphia Eagles Buffalo and Dallas on the road. Which road team do you give the best chance of winning? 
I'll go, well, I'll go with Dallas. I'll go with Dallas because I don't think Philly is as good as Kansas City. I would, make sense? Yeah, and I'd rather try to beat and I think Jalen Hurts I think Buffalo is better than Dallas, so that's why I'll say Dallas has a better chance to beat Philly. Yeah, I'd rather be playing Jalen Hurts than Pat Mahomes, but I would also rather have Josh Allen than Cooper Rush. Yeah. I, do, I hope they're both really good games because that's – uh, they will be. And you kind of mentioned it with uh, the Big Ten versus the Big 12 game. We might see a little bit of that uh, in, reverse. in reverse. In <laughs> reverse. So, uh, crazy offensive numbers in that Buffalo-Kansas City game. And then a game in uh, the, the winning team scored somewhere in the 20s in that Dallas-Philadelphia game. Yeah, I just keep on thinking about as far as Buffalo-Kansas City, just the way that that divisional playoff game ended last year, unlike anything almost we've ever seen in the NFL, and hopefully uh, this can live back up to that with mm-hmm. those two quarterbacks just slugging away at each other uh, with Josh Allen and Pat Mahomes. And then the nightcap, see if Dallas defenses has uh, has kind of the answer to slow down that Philly offense. Philly's offense is as good as anybody in, the, in the, the league so far. Dallas's defense hasn't given up 20 yet in a game this year in the first five. Kind of uh, strength on strength there on that side, and then we'll see what Philly's defense has for Cooper Rush. Uh, supposedly, I guess, Cooper Rush and the Dallas offense. So that'll be, man, that'll be like seven hours straight of just sitting on the couch watching what we hope to be really, really good NFL football. Yeah. We don't have time, but have you seen Dan Snyder's comments? The Washington owner? Apparently he's he's like, if I'm going down, you're going down with me. (laughs) Yeah. We'll look into that. Maybe we can uh, talk about that. How about Todd Bowles? I love what Todd Bowles said. Man, we shouldn't have done. We need another hour. (laughs) We need another sponsor. Everybody have a great day. You've been listening to the Skinny on Sports podcast with Aaron Cow. Be sure to hit that subscribe button to get alerts of when the latest podcast is available. Thanks for listening. That ball is blistered to right. Way back. Goodbye. Hello, my name is Scott Garrison. You may remember me as Scott the Barber or just as Ron and Carla's son. I've been involved in our community since opening Scott's Barbershop on the southeast corner of 3rd and Main in 1998. Now I'm back in the same building as Garrison Financial. I started investing in my 20s. I invested through the dot-com crash and the Great Recession. I started caring for other people's money in 2018, and I truly enjoy sitting down with my clients, understanding their wants and needs, as well as what keeps them up at night. Whether my friends just want me to invest a little of their savings or want me to work with their tax and legal professionals to strive towards optimal efficiency, we can do it all. I believe communication is key to helping my clients reach their goals. For if we are faithful over a few things, we shall be given more. Contact me at scott at soonerwealth.com. Securities offered through registered representatives of Cambridge Investment Research, Inc., a broker, dealer, member, FINRA, and SIPC. Advisory services offered through Cambridge Investment Research Advisors, Inc., a registered investment advisor. Garrison Financial and Cambridge are not affiliated. This communication is strictly intended for individuals residing in the states of Colorado, Nevada, Oklahoma, and Texas. No offers may be made or accepted from any resident outside the specific states referenced. Cambridge does not offer tax and legal advice.